Hey guys, welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. I am a fashion blogger turned podcaster. And on this podcast, I discuss all things life, work, and love as a single woman in my 30s. From sharing recent recs and reviews and answering listener questions to discussing fun, interesting topics relevant to women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond, you can consider Beck and Call a weekly catch up with your internet bestie. In keeping with my type A personality, each episode follows the same structure with dedicated segments you can rely on week after week. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I have officially recorded 50 episodes of the Beck and Call podcast. I honestly can't believe I've made it this far. (laughs) I feel like we need some sort of sound effect to celebrate, don't you? (laughs) The air horn just felt appropriate. What can I say? Not only is this my 50th episode, but I've also got a fabulous guest on later in the episode. And I'm introducing the podcast's very first sponsor. So stay tuned to hear all of that and the special offer you'll be getting as a listener of the show. But first, let's do a little dive into this past week, shall we? So last week when we left off, I was embarking on a new daily step goal, and I'm proud to say I stuck with it every single day last week. I averaged 15,650 steps a day last week, which I'd say is a pretty amazing change from the average I had before. The week before last, I had uh, 7,370 steps averaged a day each day last week. So I'm only one week in, so I haven't noticed a ton of major changes yet, but I do feel very accomplished at the end of each day. And I'm also noticing my core is getting more of a workout from all of the walking I'm doing and can feel it tightening a little more each day, which is exciting. So I'm still going very strong with that. I also have had several of you reach out on the Beck and Call podcast Instagram to tell me that I inspired you guys to walk more too. So I'm so happy to hear that. Walking is so good for you, and I'm feeling great about adding this new step goal to my daily routine. Since we're on the subject of personal updates, I thought I'd also share an update on my squirrel situation. I cannot remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast because I know I've talked about the feral cat situation in my neighborhood before, but I've definitely shared my frustration about the squirrels on Instagram. So as most of you know, there is a major drought happening in the U.S. right now, with most of Texas fitting into the exceptional drought category. So we've gotten very little rain and it's been insanely hot around here. And by early July, we'd already experienced 18 consecutive days of over 100 degree temps. So like I said, very hot, very dry. I installed landscaping in July right before my birthday party and they used drip irrigation lines to service all of the plants each day, which they're basically like rubber tubes that run along the plants an inch or two under the ground to water all of those plants. It's not like a spraying mechanism. It's like dripping. So you don't see it happening. Well, the squirrels have discovered that that is a water source and have chewed on the lines to get to the water. When they do this, the water then sprays out onto the turf and the patio, basically anywhere but the plants. And so my plants are dying. And this started happening when I was in California for two weeks. So I wasn't there. I didn't know it was happening. So by the time I got back, Several of my plants looked burned to crisp, which is so sad because it's so expensive. (laughs) Landscaping, plants, trees, all of this stuff is so pricey. And just to have them die right away is so sad. And I know there's a risk with that with installing plants in the summer just because it's so freaking hot. But as long as they're getting enough shade and enough water, there's no reason they shouldn't survive. So this was just very frustrating. And while I obviously empathize with the squirrels, knowing how hot it is outside and I want them to have water, but I don't want all of the plants I installed to be a huge waste of money. So I've been trying out different solutions to deter the squirrels. I've put out water bowls. They don't care about that. I have tried squirrel repellent balls, repel all granules. None of that worked. Last week, I gave up and went to Nicholson Hardy, which is a nursery near my house, and bought a fountain with running water in hopes that that would attract them more than the rubber tubes. So the fountain was installed on Saturday, but of course, last week, the squirrels got to the tubes again, and so the landscape team is going to have to come by again to repair those. This week will be the real test to see if the fountain is a solution. If anything, it's pretty and I like the water sounds, but if this doesn't keep the squirrels from chewing on the irrigation lines, I honestly don't know what to do. The only other solution 
my landscaper and I can think of is actually changing the irrigation setup, which would cost thousands of dollars to do. And I'm already losing probably thousands of dollars as these plants are dying. So my landscaper has been doing projects in Dallas for years and he works for a very wonderful landscape designer here. Like he's very consistent, knows what he's doing. And he said he's never encountered this issues this issue with squirrels before. And he uses drip irrigation on every property he installs. So he is unfamiliar with how to deal with this. I'm obviously unfamiliar with how to deal with this, but the things that I've ordered on Amazon haven't worked. I did order fox urine because I had several people say that that is a predator to them. And I feel like that has worked, but you have to spray it like every day. So I don't know. It's just while it's so hot, this has just become a big problem. And I'm hoping that in the fall, they won't need to. Hopefully it'll rain more. It'll be cooler. (laughs) But in the summer, if this is going to be a problem year after year, I I just don't know what to do. So hopefully this fountain will work. If not, I may have to spend a lot more money to swap out the irrigation for regular sprinklers because they can't, they can't go after those. Anyway, in terms of other updates, I finally got to play Mahjong again on Wednesday night. The last time I played was in June and I've been craving a game night. We've tried to keep up with playing like once a month, but as it often happens, sometimes people have to cancel or have to back out last minute. And I'd really just love to make it more consistent because I love playing. And it's one of those games that you kind of have to play consistently or you'll forget it. And so I really just wanted to make it more of a routine where we play once a month, or if anything, maybe find myself a secondary group to play with. So I know I'll always have an option to play. And I do have some friends that have started playing more, some additional friends. So hopefully we'll set up a second group to get that going. But also during that game, I had a really, really good concealed hand and was waiting for one more tile, but then someone else mahjonged. It would have been so cool if I won though. I've never had a concealed hand work out and it truly lined up so perfectly for me, this hand did. So I took a picture of it, but I mean, I didn't win, so it's not exciting, but I was so close. (laughs) It really is such a great game. On Thursday, I went to Rise with my friend Natalie as a belated birthday dinner since I haven't seen her since June. She was in Colorado for a few weeks and then I was in California. So she missed my birthday party and just like my regular birthday and I haven't seen her in so long. And so we decided to grab dinner. But Rise is one of my favorite places for a girl's lunch or dinner, especially if it's of a celebratory nature. I got the truffle mushroom again, which is my favorite, but I really should branch out and try something else soon. I'm very much looking forward to October because this time at October last year, they had a uh, macaroni souffle, which was a special. And I will be devastated if they don't do that again, because it was the best thing ever. And they need to make it a permanent item on the menu. (laughs) It's so good. On Friday night, I grabbed dinner with my friends at Lover's Seafood, which you may remember me mentioning when I talked about the neighborhood ladies happy hour I went to this spring. That happy hour was the first time I'd been, and it was really just standing drinks and apps. So last Friday was my first time actually sitting down for dinner and ordering from the menu. And I didn't know this until that night, but it's actually owned by the same people who own Shinsei, one of my other favorite restaurants in the neighborhood. So they do have a couple of Shinsei favorites on the menu, including the Dempsey roll and crispy Brussels sprouts. I ordered a special that they had just that night, which was a salmon crudo, which looked so good but it was so salty. I don't know if mine was saltier than my friends. My friends ordered one for the table to eat as an appetizer, but that sounded good to me as an entree. And they didn't say that it was salty. So maybe that was just mine, but the appetizers were the real star of the show at dinner. We ordered hush puppies, shishito peppers, shrimp corn dogs, and these lobster spoons that had like red curry and they were, it was fried lobster bites. So yummy. So next time I go, I'm going to try one of the fresh market fish items for my entree instead. They have a bunch of different ones that are happening all at once. And you can pick one of those and then pair with a side like grits or uh, the Brussels sprouts or whatever sounds good to you. And I hear those are all amazing. On Saturday, I had a fun brunch with my friend Rachel, who's been on the podcast. We went to Odelay, which is our favorite spot these days. I'd never been for brunch before. I've been on a weekend, but I guess didn't know they had a brunch menu. So this time I decided to give that a try and I ordered their Wagyu brisket and egg breakfast tacos. They were incredible. The eggs were so fluffy. The brisket was rich and moist. 
and it was served with sliced avocado with some crema, but it kind of tasted like there was queso, like actual white queso in it. Very good. (laughs) I'll definitely order that again. The brunch menu isn't that big, but there were some other things. There was like a chorizo papas bravas or something like that. That sounded really good too. I love chorizo. So I may have to try that next time. And then that afternoon, I waited for the fountain. The fountain got installed. And then that night, I grabbed a drink at Park House, followed by a drink at Monkey Bar, followed by dinner at Honor Bar with a few girlfriends. And I didn't really feel like going out out this weekend. I'm just like trying to be healthy. I'm trying to reach my daily step goal. So I only had two drinks that night and went home after dinner. I love Honor Bar. And I used to go multiple times a week back when it first opened. I would always order the kale and rotisserie chicken salad, but eventually got burnt out on it and I haven't ordered it since. Like I I think I ordered it like a hundred times. I ordered it so often that I just got so sick of it. They also have a macho salad, which I love, and I still order that, but I may order it without the chicken next time. That's what I ordered for dinner on Friday with the chicken, but it's the same chicken they use in the kale salad, and for some reason it just turns me off now. I used to love it. So I guess it's just, I don't, it's the way they prepare the chicken. I think it's rotisserie chicken, but it just, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just don't like it anymore, but I still love the macho salad. So anyway, if you're looking for something other than a salad to order at Honor Bar, their burger is amazing. And I also love their ahi tuna tostada dish, which is a little lighter and really fresh. On Sunday, I got my workout in and then sprawled out on the couch for a TV binge session with my friend Graham. I got him onto that show from on epics. I've told y'all about it before. It's like a horror show. The main guy who plays the sheriff played Michael in Lost. Anyway, it's really good. It's very unique, I think, for a TV show. And I got him into it. So we watched several episodes of that yesterday. And then I cooked myself some dinner. And I actually did a lot of food prep yesterday. I don't know. I'm just like, It's again, the new season, like ready to take on Q4. I feel like I'm making healthier choices and setting new goals for myself. So on Sunday, I did a little extra food prep. I made these veggie egg cups. It's basically just four eggs, four egg whites, and then chopped up veggies. And you saute the veggies and then mix it with the egg and then bake them in the muffin tin. I'll be sure to share the recipe on the Beck and Call podcast Instagram page if you want to check out that recipe, but it was really easy. It's yummy. It's healthy. And the reason I did that is, again, kind of back to the Blonde Files podcast that I mentioned last week in the episode with Harley Pasternak. He recommends everybody getting kind of a fistful of protein and vegetables to go with that for most of your meals. And so I'm, I've been eating like yogurt and granola for breakfast, but just to switch it up, I thought I'd do eggs and veggies instead. So that's what I'm doing this week. And then I also got some chicken to marinate with my mom's lemon chicken recipe. And I also got pre-marinated salmon from Central Market. So that and lots of veggies to eat it with. I am going to be right on track this week and hopefully we'll keep my step count up for another very healthy week. Now let's get into some recs for this week. So one of my Instagram followers let me know that the Vampire Diaries is being removed from Netflix in early September, which is devastating to me. I'm hoping it ends up somewhere like HBO Max, but Instead of watching anything new this last week, I have been rewatching that old favorite, but I do have a new audiobook rec for you. So this morning I finished Jeanette McCurdy's memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Catchy title, no? I recognized her photo, but truthfully didn't know anything about her. She was a popular Nickelodeon child star in the late 2000s and early 2010s. She starred in iCarly and a show called Sam and Cat, which funnily enough, also starred Ariana Grande. Didn't know that. Um, I was a big fan of Nickelodeon growing up, but considering her first big show aired in 2007 when I was in college, I've never watched anything she's been in. I am a big fan of celebrity memoirs, though, especially ones where they narrate the audiobook. Plus, with a title like that, you know it's going to be interesting at least. So... I loved Jeanette's narration of the book. It felt dry as if she's just telling it like it is. Even though there was some dark subject matter, she managed to put a sarcastic spin and infuse humor into the book. And there are just many moments in the book that are hilarious that aren't having to do with the dark matter subject. So it's really a good mix of both. As far as the dark subject matter goes, 
There are many conversations about disordered eating, alcoholism, abuse, etc. So fair warning there. Her complicated relationship with her mother is the biggest focus of the book as her mom is the one who pushed her into show business and basically ran her life until Jeanette was old enough to know better and decided to stop putting up with some of it. But let's talk through some of it, shall we? So her mother encouraged her to start restricting calories so that her breasts wouldn't grow. Also, she could stay looking young for the roles she was auditioning for. Her mother actively participated in and encouraged Jeanette's anorexia over the years, and Jeanette goes into great detail about this in the book. The most startling admission to me, though, was Jeanette describing how her mom would help her shower well into her teens. Her mother would also give her quote-unquote exams, checking her private parts for potential cancerous lumps. Her mother was a breast cancer survivor, and that was always her reasoning for this, as she just wanted to make sure her daughter was healthy. But Her mother exerted a disturbing level of control over Jeanette that you'd think would have been noticed by others, especially since she was always around on set and all of the shows she was doing. But it doesn't sound like anyone ever knew or if they did, nobody intervened. Needless to say, this book will certainly help you understand the title a bit more. And while, like I said, while there are heartbreaking themes in her memoir, Jeanette also shares some hilarious coming of age stories and discoveries that I think many of you might find relatable or at least entertaining. So check out I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy if you're looking for a new audiobook. I really enjoyed it and it was pretty quick. I think it was six hours long as an audiobook, so a pretty quick listen. Since I don't have any TV show or movie recs for you this week, I did want to share a couple of fashion finds. So I recently purchased a pair of Kate jeans. I've never owned anything from the brand. It's spelled K-H-A-I-T-E. And the jean style I picked up is called the Vivian, and it's a high-waisted crop flare style. And the wash I got is a really dark blue, so just perfect for fall winter. And like I said, they feature a high waist. They have really big back pockets that are kind of just where they're supposed to be. It's the perfect spot for minimizing a bum. And the cropped length, the hem hits me in the ideal spot on my ankle. They're not too cropped. They're not too long. They look great with all kinds of shoes. I even did a reel on Instagram showing the versatility with boots, with flats, with heels. So you can head to my personal Instagram at Merit Beck to watch it. I am so obsessed. I will say as far as sizing goes, they do run small. I ordered the 29 and the 30 and will definitely be keeping the 30. But if I'm being honest, I'm tempted to hold on to the 29 too in case the extra pandemic weight I gained finally comes off. So (laughs) they're that good. I want to be able to wear them throughout the season. So I may keep both sizes. I'm not sure. But they are linked on my profile in the LTK app. But I'll also add a link to them on the shop highlight in the Beck and Call podcast Instagram page. I think I added that last week or the week before because I do get questions about things that I mention on here. And so that highlight, it's called shop and it's just on the Beck and Call podcast Instagram profile page. You'll be able to see it and tap through and shop any of the items I've mentioned here. So oddly enough, I have another pant wreck for you. I love jeans and I wear them constantly, but truthfully, I've never been a big fan of trousers. I generally just don't feel like they do much for my figure, but I wanted to mix it up for the coming season and try a new look. The pants I ordered are by the brand Totem. Totem? (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's T-O-T-E-M-E. And it's a Stockholm-based label by former fashion blogger Elin Kling. I always loved her approach to styling, so it's no surprise that I love her clothing line as well. It's a lot of solid neutrals, classic silhouettes, but with a modern spin. Anyway, I ordered this pair of wide leg black pants from the brand, like Again, really unlike me, not something I would typically order, but I absolutely love the way they look on. They are very high-waisted, perfect for tucking in all kinds of blouses and tops, and they're cropped right at the ankle, which is ideal for styling with all kinds of shoes, flats, heels, etc. Like the Kate jeans, they're on the more expensive side, but they'd be an amazing investment for your fall-winter work wardrobe, especially if you work in a more corporate setting. They're so chic. I plan to wear mine with mules and flats during the day and with pumps at night with fancier cocktail-ready tops come the holiday season, and I just think it's such a chic look. So definitely check those out. I will link those on the Beck and Call podcast page as well. Okay. 
Hey y'all, I'm so excited to be able to finally say this, but it's time to thank my very first sponsor on the podcast. I've talked about this before, but about this time last year, I started getting gel manicures consistently and I would go to the salon every two weeks for upkeep. While I enjoyed how my nails looked, it was very expensive and ended up weakening my nails quite a lot, especially after many months of going to the salon so often. I decided to take a break from gel after my Charleston trip in April and realized just how brittle my nails had become. They were actually sensitive to the touch and would splinter and peel at the ends almost on a daily basis. And it took over a month for my nails to grow out and look normal and healthy again. So obviously I was not eager to go back to gel after that. Now that I'm off gel, I was looking for an easier and more cost-effective solution for keeping my nails looking fresh. And that is where Olive and June comes in. The Olive and June Mani system features everything you need for a salon quality manicure in one box that you can do in the comfort of your own home. I love being able to do my nails at my desk on my own time and just continue working without worrying about messing them up. The polish is amazing and dries so quickly. And the Manny system also comes with dry drops for an even faster drying time. And y'all, I have no patience, so (laughs) it's great. I love how fast they dry. You can customize the Olive and June Manny system with your choice of six polishes, all of which can last seven days or more and don't chip. Right now I have lava on my hands, which is a punchy orange red hue and perfect for the end of summer. The Olive and June Manny system breaks down to just $2 a manicure and it couldn't be easier to use. As someone who does not have a lot of hand dexterity in either hand, just look at my chicken scratch handwriting for proof, at-home manicures were never my strong suit. That is until I got my hands on the poppy, which is included in the Olive and June Manny system. You just pop the poppy on top of the polish you want to use, and it provides a sturdy grip that gives you more control for even strokes every single time. Before the poppy, I'd get polish all over my fingers. I'm just a mess, really. And the poppy is such a genius concept, and it works every time. My nails look fabulous every time I use it. I I love it. Anyway, I really could not recommend the Manny system enough, and I've been so blown away by everything I've received. It's clear they put the customer first and put a lot of thought into each and every product included in the system. Visit oliveandjune.com slash beck and call for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash B-E-C-K-A-N-D-C-A-L-L for 20% off your first Manny system. I am so thrilled to introduce you guys to this week's guest. My friend and fellow fashion blogger, Kat Jamison, is here to chat with us about all things fashion, home, travel, and wellness this week. She is one of the most naturally beautiful people I've ever met in real life, truly, and that beauty is reflected on the inside as well. She is so kind, she's charming, and she's one of the few influencers out there that I really feel like has stayed true to her style over the years and her audience. And before I get into it with Kat, I just wanted to make sure you guys go follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram is at Kat Jamieson underscore. It's K-A-T-J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N underscore. And check out her website with lovefromcat.com. We'll be discussing some of her other business ventures in our chat, but wanted to make sure you had her Instagram handle and blog at the ready. So without further ado, let's get into it with Kat. All right, guys, I'm so excited to welcome Kat Jamison, formerly Tanita, and also known as With Love From Kat onto the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to see you catch up. I feel like the last time we saw each other was Palm Beach. I know. And that was so random. I didn't I know. even know you were there. <laughs> it's the best place. I lo- It's a little slice of heaven, you know? Yeah. And I feel like when we were both there, we were like, it was like coming out of kind of another pandemic wave. Yes, and we were both totally. just like so ready to travel. It was so fun running into you there. And I kept, it's such a small area. I feel like we kept bumping into each other we the did. whole weekend. <laughs> but you just got back from a whirlwind trip to Greece. How long were y'all there for? Yes, we were there for nine days. It was so beautiful. It's such a gorgeous country. And we had never been before. So we did Mykonos and Santorini 
and we just explored so much and it was packed though. I will say I wasn't expecting it to be so busy. It was overwhelming of people. Yeah. Very touristy in the summer. (laughs) I have heard that I've never been either. It's definitely on my bucket list from all the photos that you've shared and just ones that I've seen over the years. It's high up on my bucket list. But I think a lot of people don't realize how far away it is. It's like kind of hard to get to. I don't it wasn't a direct flight for you guys, right? No, we flew to Athens and then you take another flight to Mykonos or Santorini. You can take a ferry between those. But it's a track. It's about 10 hours from New York City. And then the jet lag is insane. Like usually, you know, Paris, London, Italy, it's easy to acclimate after a day or so. We were waking up at 3, 4 a.m. like every single morning having to like start the day. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hopefully you got a lot into the day waking up that early. We did. (laughs) Imagine you had a lot of fun things to add to your travel app. Were there any favorite moments along your trip or stops that you highly recommend? Oh, my goodness. So we went to the new Soho house in Mykonos, which was really cool. It's this super rustic property. And right next door is Scorpios, which is, of course, iconic. We loved that club. But actually, another club we really liked was called Principote. Okay. It was super vibey and it had like a huge DJ booth and everyone's dancing and partying. Um, So that's a fun place to check out. And then the shopping, the shopping in Mykonos and Santorini, unbelievable. Like what what kind of shopping? Was it smaller boutiques? Yes. Very small boutiques, like nothing designer, not what you would think. And it was just like a random shop. You would go in and you'd find such great crochet sets, Mm -hmm. little linen, you know, no name, no brand or anything fancy, but just amazing pieces. So I took home a lot of things and those shops are all on my app. So yay! (laughs) I can't wait to check that out. So for people who don't already know you who are listeners of my podcast, Kat is a lifestyle and fashion blogger slash influencer like I am. But I feel like you actually got a taste of the fashion industry at a young age because you modeled. And I would love (laughs) to share what that was like. You've talked about it a little bit on your Instagram and answered questions occasionally in Q&A's, but I would personally love to hear more about that process, (laughs) how you got into it, what it was like. Yeah, it was so random. I had a math teacher in fifth grade and her sister happened to own a big modeling agency in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I grew up. And she told my mom, you have to get your daughter to model. Like, I think she'd be perfect for my sister's agency. And my mom was like, no, no, no. I don't want her to be like a diva, prima donna. Like, we're not into that. That's just not what we want for our daughter. So for a whole year, she said, no, no, no. And then the teacher was like, well, I just, if you're comfortable, I'm going to send some photos to like my sister. I really think she should do it. Yeah. So my mom finally was like, okay, okay. And they signed me. And my first audition, I got the cover of the Limited 2 magazine, (laughs) which was like a sixth grader's dream. (laughs) You're young. How much younger than you? I'm 33. Okay. So So you're two years younger than me. So I definitely would have seen you. (laughs) I don't, I have like a terrible memory and don't remember a lot of things from my childhood. But like, if I went back, I bet. I bet I saw you on there. <laughs> I loved it's living so it. so funny. I love that store. And it's I was so like, great. oh my gosh, this is maybe like I have a knack for this. And I loved the camera. Like even in third grade I, with my friends, I would dress up. We would do little photo shoots on our Polaroid camera. Like it was just mm-hmm. always something I thought was so fun. Right. And so I, from there, then I got signed with Ford models in college wow. And I just did like small local stuff, Um, but it helped me get really comfortable in front of the camera. And I think that's obviously really helped with what we do for sure. because (laughs) we take pictures of ourselves all the time. So I feel, I joke, I'm like, I've been in front of the camera like every day for the past probably 20 years. Yeah, (laughs) You're very comfortable with it. Yeah. So (laughs) how long did you do that? How long were you modeling for? So I modeled up until I was 21. So all through college. And again, I didn't become like crazy about going to LA, you know, auditions or anything like that. I just stuck to local stuff Mm -hmm. because I was in school and I was a total nerd. Like academics were very important to me. I had to be that straight A student. So I didn't want to do anything that would take me away from like my schoolwork. So 
Right. Once I did that, then I moved to New York City and I got a job in PR and I just kind of left modeling behind, but continued it, I guess, in a way through blogging. For sure. And was that on purpose that you left it behind? Like that was kind of, I'm done with this chapter kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I didn't love about modeling? I didn't love that they were telling me what to wear or like to be a character. Like I did this golf magazine, I remember, and I had to wear this really weird visor and outfit and they, you know, were telling me how to pose. And I thought, I don't like this. Like, I really want to express myself the way I want to, you know, be and wear what I want to wear. So that was why blogging kind of gave me that edge and that individuality Mm -hmm. that I was really craving. Well, and you know, it's interesting because that is kind of a key characteristic of somebody who's going to be their own boss blogging aside. You kind of saw that in yourself early on. So that's cool. (laughs) Um, So what led you to launch your blog? Were you working or in school at the time or what were you up to? So in college, so I'd always worked retail. I actually was a sales girl at Calypso. I don't know if you remember that store. I love that store. So fun. It's the best. I'm so sad. I think they're bringing it back, actually, which I'm very happy about. And their home stuff was really, really good. Gorgeous. Yeah. So that was really fun. That was my first job at like 18. I got to know all the clothes and the brand. Then I worked at Saks Fifth Avenue as a sales girl. And I just always had this love of fashion. But I ended up going to ASU in Arizona where I grew up mm-hmm. and I needed a job to put myself through college. And so I decided to become a nanny. And when the little boy would sleep, I had all this spare time in between classes. And so I thought, I think I want to start something creative. And I was an interior design major. And I thought, I said, let me just start this website, like this random blog. I'll just create it for myself. It'll kind of be an online portfolio of like mm-hmm. some of my drawings and draftings and interior designers I love and fashion, you know, brands I love. No one was reading it at the time. And then this? Like this what year was, was this? in 2011. So it was okay. my senior year. And it was just kind of, again, something, a creative outlet I did for myself. I didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. No one else had blogs. I think it was like cupcakes and cashmere and then fashion toast. I don't know if you remember those two. Yes. I I actually started my blog in 2011 as well, but it was on Tumblr. (laughs) I loved Tumblr. But it wasn't like a good blogging platform. (laughs) It was good for like posting things to get reposted. It Yes. It wasn't um the user experience wasn't great from a, the back end. Yes. <laughs> so I recommend that <laughs> to anyone. But yeah, back then it was it was very sparse compared to what it is now, certainly. Yes. Even even a few years later, I feel like. Completely, completely. I've always admired your fashion content because I feel like you and I have a s- similar taste and a love of timeless silhouettes and versatile neutrals. You yes. and I also seem to share um, an interest in the finer things in life and I love a lot of the same contemporary and high-end designers. Yes. I'm a little more all over the place and tend to wear whatever fits my mood, but I feel like you're very consistent with your style. So can you share a little bit of your fashion philosophy and how you select pieces? I love that you're very into classics and I feel like we both love Zimmerman, by the way. Sure. <laughs> I feel like we mix high and low too, which I mm-hmm. love. And you you love a good floral pattern and a pop of color. And I do too. Like I've become embracing more color and pattern since I moved outside of New York City. Right. So basically my fashion philosophy has always just been invest in beautiful classic staple pieces that you'll wear for years to come and then mix in a few fun colors, patterns in between that. But everything I have, it's like I've had for some of my things for 10, 15 years, like just quality you know, Stuart Weitzman shoes or Aquazora heels or Fendi bags, like these timeless Chanel pieces that are just investments. And I love like looking in my closet and seeing these things that will never go out of style. I'm not a trend chaser. Right. And I just never, I've never cared about that. And I think it's probably from my mom. She's this Connecticut preppy classic East Coast gal. And she always had like a Ralph Lauren cable knit cashmere sweater tied around her shoulders growing up or like a, you know, Ralph Lauren popped collar and Chanel ballet flats. And so I love and get a lot of inspiration from her style and just I've seen how classic and timeless it's 
transitioned over the years. This is sort of a random question, but goes along with this. I, I love whenever you post photos of, I guess it's your closet is, is it the same as your office now? Or am I thinking of your New York? Yes. Okay. Yes. I I've loved all of the places you've lived by the way, but um, you have yeah. just an incredible collection of handbags. What are your favorites? <laughs> I'm just curious. Oh my goodness. Thank you. It's funny. I love my first Chanel. It's the classic the medium size in mm-hmm. black with gold. It's I've had it forever and it's just a piece that'll never go out of style. Totally. I have it in like a little tan neutral color as well, which is mm-hmm. great. And then, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for the new Kate Raffia tote. That's kind of a newer one. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm not sure. It's like a big, um, it's a great travel everyday bag. That's probably my new favorite bag. Okay. I'll have Ace to look that does up. does really cool bags. Um, and then, of course, I have a great Hermes Kelly. Yes. Timeless. <laughs> <laughs> a black one. Love it. So another thing that I've really enjoyed over the last few years following you has been you tapping into wellness. I remember when you were living in LA, you got very into that as you were specifically grappling with some dietary issues, which yes. I believe you discovered because you were histamine intolerant or something. Can you share a little bit about that and how kind of you were led to that discovery and how it changed how you eat and all of that? Yeah. So basically I was living in New York city for five years. I had this fast paced lifestyle, you know, I was blogging, I was working in PR and I wasn't taking care of myself. I was going out every night, you know, I would have coffee meetings in the morning, would drink wine at night and the acidic all the acid in my stomach, it literally just like eroded my stomach lining. And I felt like shit all day. Yeah. And it was really scary. And I started to go to doctor to doctor. No one knew, you know, what was wrong with me. And the scary thing is a gastroenterologist, even she did an endoscopy and she said, yeah, you have a lot of irritation. And I said, well, you know, do you have any dietary, you know, things that I should be doing? No, just just take this medicine for the rest of your life. And I thought, okay, I need to get in touch with myself. I need to figure out like on a holistic level, like how I can really heal my stomach and I need to change my lifestyle. So I moved to LA, I fell in love with Venice Beach and it was there I kind of met all these yogis and healers and nutritionists and naturopaths. And I found out I had a histamine intolerance, which is basically when your body has too high of a level of histamine. And histamine is something that's found naturally in avocado, which is something you think is so healthy for you. But when you eat it on a high level, it's not good. It's not great for people with an intolerance. Okay. So all these things that I thought I was eating to be healthy, it was totally killing my stomach. And I would be so bloated and doubled over in pain. And I really just had to start juicing. I started intermittent fasting. I just started listening to my body more and having more pure, simple foods. And Mm -hmm. It healed my gut completely. And my skin is glowing now, like even more so than before. I'm like, I don't weigh myself because I don't think it's like super healthy to weigh yourself. I don't, I don't know. I just have never cared about that, but I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm toned. I just feel good. And it's really through just eating intuitively and figuring out like what food works for me. So just uh, just out of curiosity, like what are some of the things you do kind of gravitate towards that make you feel really good? So every morning I have hot water with lemon Mm -hmm. and then I make a homemade green juice. And a lot of people think that, oh, green juice, it tastes so like green because a lot of it has kale or spinach. So kale and spinach are very high in histamine. So I just make my green juice with cucumber, celery, green apple, and fennel, which is kind of something random. So refreshing. It's so light. Then I intermittent fast and I eat around like 12 and I'll have like a gorgeous salad with tons of different, you know, colorful veggies. Mm I love cheese. So like I always have a different kind of cheese in there to mix it up. Girl after my heart. And then, right. (laughs) And then I have like a cacao smoothie. So it's just like coconut milk, cacao powder. It's really energizing in the middle of the day. Um, I love rice crackers. Have you ever had Kame 
rice crackers. They're so I don't good. that brand. I've had rice crackers before. They're but the best. Where do you um, get them? I, like literally anywhere. You can order them on Amazon. Oh, okay. um, the brand is K-A-M-E. Okay. And they're the best ones I found. Do you put anything on them or is that just kind of I'll your... have it with like cheese or okay. even like tzatziki, um, like olive oil and feta. Like I love like a lot of Greek Mediterranean flavors. So something okay. like that is yeah. good. And then... Um, for dinner, I'll have like a protein. I love pasta. So it's like, I can eat gluten and dairy now for years. I thought I couldn't because I was always bloated, but Mm -hmm. actually it was just the histamine. That's, I mean, that's wild. And it's a good, it's a good reminder for people. I'm obviously go to the doctor when you need to go to the doctor, but also trust your gut, literally (laughs) like (laughs) your body is telling you, try weeding things out yourself and seeing what works. Doesn't a hundred percent. Yes. There are so many amazing doctors out there and obviously I'm not a doctor and luckily I found like what works for me, but, um, I love to have a good, a nice martini at the end of the night too. For sure. <laughs> a couple nights and a week. You and your husband, or he's the, he's the bartender, right? He's really good at cocktails. He is so funny. He loves to pretend he's a bartender and whip up cocktails. And it's just something that we do. That's really fun together. And weren't y'all doing during the pandemic, weren't y'all yes. doing like a martini Monday or something? Yes. Did you stop that? Cocktails with Tom. We did. Don't need to start that back we up. Do. That was fun. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay. So actually this is a good segue. So after a while you, or you were in LA for a while, then you came yes. back to New York and didn't you start dating him almost immediately when you got back to New York? Yes. So it's so funny because during those years when I was living in New York, the first time around and I was going out all the time, I had broken up with my really long-term eight-year relationship boyfriend. He was like my college, high school boyfriend. Yeah. So I was just dating and having so much fun. I was like 25 or 26. And I actually met him through a friend during my, you know, fun single time. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if you remember this, but I moved to Paris for a summer. Yes. I tried to move there permanently, but it was too far and I missed, I missed my friends. And so I ended up moving back. So it was funny because we went on one date. I moved to Paris the next week and, you know, my life, I just never thought of him again. I just was like, okay, whatever. Like I'm on to, you know, on to the next adventure. Fast forward four years later, I moved back to New York City from LA because I was really in a healed place. Again, I had healed my digestion. I was missing the hustle bustle of the city. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to move back, you know, move back. And literally I had this housewarming party and my friend that introduced us came and she posted a picture of us on stories. And she's like, look who's back in town. And he saw it and he said, that's the one that got away. Like, is she still single? And he still had my number four years later, DM'd me or messaged me. And I was like, yeah, let's go out. Like I'm why single. Not? Why not? Yeah. And I had no expectations. And it was immediately, I was like, wow. Yeah. He's, this is it. Like, I just got that feeling. Right place, right time. Right place, awesome. right time. Totally. And I had to be more again, present. I had to get those fun single days out of my system, which I definitely did. I had fun with that. (laughs) Yeah. So y'all got married last summer, right? Yes. I remember fawning over all of those gorgeous pictures. I couldn't decide which dress I loved. I really loved your rehearsal dinner dress. Who were they by again? So both were by Monique Lulier. And if whenever you're getting married, you should go there because I feel like her dresses would look amazing on you. And it was the best bridal experience. I will say that because I went to a lot of, went to Bergdorf's, you know, all the places, Oscar de la Renta in New York and Monique's experience was just like unprecedented. Above and beyond. That's awesome. Well, it was so beautiful. What was your favorite part about the wedding y'all did? Because you did a little more intimate Was that on purpose or was that because of COVID? So I am more, I guess you could say more introverted. People never believe me, but it just means, it doesn't mean I'm shy. I just recharge alone. And I really love bonding with people and like a one-on-one dinner or more intimate setting versus like this wild party setting. So for me, I always knew I wanted a really small intimate wedding. And then COVID happened and I thought, well, might as well just do family only. 
And it actually worked out beautifully because I was able to have only my family and his family. We rented this stunning house in Nantucket where I grew up going and we brought all our own wedding china. And it was just so elegant and intimate and it was the perfect night. (laughs) Well, it looked beautiful and you are just over one year of wedded bliss. How has the first year been? Any surprises or any tips for people who are about to enter and embark on this on their own? (laughs) Yes, I would say make sure you choose someone who makes you laugh because, you know, you go through things in life, you get sick, you know, things happen at work, family, and you want to make sure you're with somebody that makes you laugh and is positive. And I would say like Thomas is so he's always cracking jokes. He's always making me laugh. And that's something that I'm so grateful for. And I didn't realize like how much that how important that is until this past year, because, um, you know, I wrote my book and I mean, it's been very amazing, but it's also been the hardest thing I've ever done. And having his lightheartedness to help with that offset my I'm a typical creative where I get very obsessed and I won't stop till something's perfect. Having that lightheartedness has really helped. (laughs) Helped balance you out. Yes. Y'all look like an amazing team and you've been pretty vocal about how big of a help he is both around the house, but also with many facets of your business. What all does he help you with, with the blog and Instagram? And what has he helped with your newest project, which we'll talk about in a second? (laughs) (laughs) I am so lucky because he's actually a very creative person. His dad's an architect and he's just always had this creative side to him, which I didn't realize until I started saying, Hey, can you take a photo? Can you help me with this, you know, shoot? And he's really good at styling and having suggestions on where things should go. He takes pretty much all of my photos now for every kind of campaign. He just has kind of jumped right in. So I'm very grateful. That's awesome. So your secret product, well, it's not secret anymore, (laughs) but speaking of your book, I was really excited to learn about this and the upcoming launch. How did the idea for the book come about and how did you decide what to include? I feel like that process would be so daunting. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Honestly, it took five years. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life, um, but so rewarding. And I really wanted women to be equipped with the wellness things that I had learned and just a set of delicious recipes to turn to when they were having family over, friends over, even just cooking for themselves. I feel like I've learned so much over the years and I wanted to put it all in one beautifully packaged place. And of course, put my spin on it with Mm -hmm. decor tips and entertaining tablescapes. So it's really a medley of all the things I love coming together in one place. And I hope it's a guide for women, especially obviously women above their 20s. But really in my 20s, I struggled so much with my health and confidence and figuring out what worked. And I hope it's like a tool for women during that time to kind of navigate and just feel and look better uh, with some of my tips. And your mom helped you name the book, correct? She did. Yes. I was, it was so funny for a long time. I thought, oh, maybe I'll just name it with the from cat, you know, keep everything under the same brand. But I really wanted it to be a beautiful coffee table style book. And I thought, okay, I don't think that that's like something that I would want to have on my kitchen counter. And she said, why don't you name it blended? And I thought said, that's the perfect name. So It is. And like you said, it kind of blends all a lot of your interests and things that you have been talking about on your blog and on Instagram for years. And so it's sort of a culmination of all of that. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. So I pre-ordered the book already. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Thank you. And it comes out on October 15th. Is that correct? Yes. Will you be doing some kind of book tour this fall to promote it? Yes. We're going to do a fun event in LA, TBD on the exact restaurant. But I really want everybody to come together that bought the book and network with each other. I Mm -hmm. love bringing people together. I love connecting like-minded women. So we'll do something like a cocktail hour, something fun in LA. So you have to come oh, out to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then in New York City as well. And of course, in Connecticut, 
we moved out to Connecticut after the pandemic and we're just an hour outside the city and we'll do a, something at a fun restaurant here too. So, so exciting. <laughs> Are you helping yes. plan any of those events or do you have like a whole team? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm so hands on. Okay. I'm like, I love doing that too. I mean, you're Are so you good at throwing planner? parties. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. I, I mean, my birthday was like the only thing. That was gorgeous. To be fair, I did help plan events when I was at Reward Style, but we all quickly discovered that that was not my forte and we moved my position elsewhere <laughs> within the company. So after the first few events I helped with, they were like, maybe not. <laughs> I can't believe I'm thinking back to the Reward Style conference days when yeah. you and I would see each other in Dallas. And those were such fun times, like the early days early, of blogging. And for sure, it's fun to think back on it was such a niche circle of women. And now, of course, it's such a popular industry to be in. It's changed so much. But I love that you've really stayed true to like your style and mm -hmm. everything you share, too. You, too. And I feel like a lot of the people that we remember from those days have done the same. And that's yes. fun. That's fun to look back on. And also... It's fun to catch up with everybody when like randomly when we were in Palm Beach or whenever I'd be in New York, I'd reach out and totally it's just fun to can like stay in touch and connect with each other um, when we're close by. So I agree. <laughs> so now that you've tackled a blog, Instagram, you developed an app, which we I don't know how we didn't talk more about that, but do you want to talk more about your app? Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, I would love to. So seven years ago, I was getting so many travel questions. I was traveling all over Europe. And this is when Instagram was just starting to become really popular. And so people would be DMing me every hour of the day. Where are you staying? Where are you going? What are your recommendations? And I was becoming a travel agent. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have all of my travel tips from every city I love in one place? So I built this app with this incredible developer and I made it just so user-friendly. And last year, I completely redid it to make it even more modern and chic and fun to use. Mm -hmm. And you can download it in the app store. It's just with love from Cat Travel. And it has all the best cities, Paris, London, Milan, um, New York, obviously, LA, Positano, Capri, Greece. And I just share what my favorite hotels are, shops, restaurants, travel tips. Like It's great. I've used it myself. It's really well organized. And I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, it's really well organized and easy to navigate. I highly recommend it. I feel like you and I like traveling to a lot of similar places. Places, and yes. I, I trust your opinions. You choose great restaurants. You choose really lovely places to stay. So anyone out yeah. there who wants to plan a wonderful vacation, check out Cats with Love From Cat travel app. Yes. But now that, like I said, now that you've tackled the blog, <laughs> Instagram, developed an app, and now you've written a book, what's next for you? What's next for With Love From Cat? And are there any other exciting projects that you are working on or things you're looking forward to? Yes, <laughs> there, there is. I hate when people are like, oh, but stay tuned. I can't share. Right. But is you know, it is one of those scenarios <laughs> I will say. That's there's okay. something I'm really, really excited about. And it's been a long time coming. It's the next transition. It's a natural transition for my brand. Very exciting. Um, that will be coming. And it'll just be, I, I know everyone's going to love having a piece of it in their homes. Okay. So. <laughs> a, a good little hint there. Actually, yes. uh, this is a separate question that I should have asked earlier when we were discussing kind of your cross country moves, but how do you feel like your interior style has changed and evolved from each different place that you've lived? I feel like I approach interiors the same way I approach packing for a trip. I get really inspired by the city and the landscape that something's in. And so with my West Village apartment and my early New York days, it was this charming brick, exposed brick apartment. And I did a lot of antiques and bone inlay furniture. And then with my LA house, because it was right by the beach, I did like a great surfboard in the entry and mm -hmm. framed textiles and kind of more beachy, neutral elements. Mm -hmm. And then now that we live in the country, you know, I call it the country, but it's it's an hour outside the city yeah. for suburb life. I've kind of embraced that farmhouse vibe. And again, going back to antiques and kind of warmer, cozy textures. So 
I get inspiration from the different places I'm in. And then of course, Pinterest has always been sure. very inspiring. And I feel like I'm actually enjoying the decor reels I'm seeing more and more. Like I'm not the biggest fan of reels. I don't know about you. How do you, how do you feel about that? I, I have been very slow going with it. I have yes. dabbled in it and sometimes I like it. Sometimes I hate it, but kind of like with the podcast, it's a lot more work than it looks creating yes. a reel and coming up with those ideas and like the, the ones you see with these fabulous transitions, those are not easy. <laughs> so oh, I hard. don't know how to do those. I, I don't think that's, I, that's something I'm not going to focus on. I can't do the fancy transitions. You kind of have to be like a professional videographer to know how to do all of that. And I know that there are easier ways Truly. to do it, but there are a lot of things, a lot of things that we as content creators are working on outside of Instagram. So to add just another element that we're going to have to spend a lot more time on just to yeah. scene. Well, did you sort see of Kylie and Kim? They I were like, did. Back. <laughs> you know, don't make it TikTok. And yeah. <laughs> they're actually listening. I actually noticed my photo posts are getting way better engagement this week yes. than in the past few months. Oh, for so sure. Something did change with the algorithm. I hope that's not temporary because for the last year, even likes on my photos have gone way down. I, I hide all my likes now because it was just like Me depressing too. to look at. <laughs> Me too. And but it's so, just, it, I mean, I'm like, my content's getting hidden from my own husband, like in yeah. the algorithm. I'm like, he wants to see my stuff clearly. Yeah. Like even my sister's like, you never show up in my feed anymore. Like what the heck? So yeah, what can I do? I mean, aside from just like playing to what they want, um, but hopefully they're listening and we'll keep these changes in place. I think so. But <laughs> I think that's all of the questions I had for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on Beck and Call. It's been so much fun catching up with you. And I definitely so think fun. the listeners are going to get a lot out of this conversation. I feel like we covered everything. We covered style we and travel interiors, like everything. So we did. It was so fun catching up with you and congratulations on everything. Thank podcast you. Thank so you cool. so much. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and buy your book and all of that stuff? Yes. So on Instagram, I'm just Kat Jamison. My blog is with love from cat.com and my book is the blended Amazing. Well, I cannot <laughs> wait to get my hands on it. Every is can people still pre-order? Yes. Okay. So everybody pre-order. go pre-order blended. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. I can't Yay. wait to have it in my home. But thank you so much, Kat. It has been so much fun. <laughs> so good to see you. <laughs> we've reached the beck and call segment. I close out each episode with this segment where I answer listener questions. If you need advice or have a question for me, please call into the hotline at 214-620-0473, or you can email info at beckandcallpodcast.com. Let's get into this week's voicemail. Hi, Mary. I'm a big fan of the podcast and have been listening for a while now, and I just absolutely love it. I know that you were planning on moving to Chicago before the pandemic, but then plans changed and now you're very settled in Dallas. But I'm curious, if you could move anywhere in the world for a year, you only have to do a year, but it could be literally anywhere in the world. And let's say money wasn't an object, where would you move and why? Have a great day. Bye. Great question. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm so happy to hear you are enjoying the podcast. So I spent about six months in London and absolutely loved it. And I would love to live there again. I would do it again in a heartbeat. No question. New York is another place I've considered moving to, but money would truly have to be no object because I don't want to live in a studio apartment at this time in my life. I've gotten too comfortable and used to living in a lot of space here in Texas. In my dream life, I'd have a place in Texas, a place in New York, and a place in London. Money would have to again, be no object to afford all of that, but a girl can dream. One place I think would be amazing to spend a year in would actually be Japan. I've visited twice in the fall and the spring and had the best time on both trips. It's truly so beautiful and they experience the best of all four seasons. Cherry blossoms in the spring, rich leaves in the fall, super snowy winters if you're a big skier, 
and the food can't be beat. It's the freshest sushi you'll ever eat, plus ramen, soba, tempura, udon, gyoza, the list goes on. So many yummy foods. I also love how walkable all of the cities are. There are so many cute towns to visit from all the bigger cities like Tokyo and Kyoto, and they're easy day trips, and they have fabulous beaches in the summer, the best skiing in the winter. There's literally so much to do and see there. It's absolutely beautiful. And on top of all of that, it's one of the most culturally rich places I've ever been to. Um, Just seeing the customs and being around people who have experienced a completely different lifestyle and enjoying that lifestyle and being a part of it, I think would be really cool to do for a year. Um, I'm not sure that's somewhere I'd want to live forever, but I just think it would be such a different and unique experience to spend a longer amount of time in Japan. All right, let's move on to a couple of email submissions. This first one reads, hi, Merit. I'm currently listening to episode 49, where you talk about evaluating your goals going into Q4. You mentioned you've been focusing on reels more, and it made me think of something I've been seeing a few influencers, people slash people with mid to large IG followings discuss lately. The discussion was how reels might get a larger number of likes and maybe some comments, but the reels overall does not directly lead to increased number of followers and overall engagement. I've also personally noticed that reels I have posted seem to get a lot of bot-like interaction within the first hour. Can you tell a difference in your overall engagement when you post to reels? What is your experience so far? So here's the thing, because Instagram is putting more weight on reels these days than on static posts, reels are simply more visible and more discoverable. Most of us are seeing way more reels in our feeds than we do static posts. So creating reels is sort of necessary to be seen in your followers' feeds at this time. Reels are also what is showing up on the search and discover tab. Second, video is a much more shareable type of content than a static photo is. The amount of shares my reels get versus the amount of shares my static posts get is pretty drastic. And I usually end up getting new followers from posting reels, probably because people are sharing it more. So I've definitely seen growth. While there's almost no growth I can attribute to standard static posts anymore, unless I pay to boost them, which is something I do sometimes for my capsule wardrobe posts to get more eyes on it because it is is a value add. Um, Those capsule wardrobe posts, I put a lot of time and effort into those. And I think so many people can use them and use them however they like. So I do boost those sometimes, but I'm not going to do that for just a photo of me, like an outfit photo, because that has, I've done it before. It has done nothing. So (laughs) that's a waste of money, but I do boost my capsule wardrobe posts and that does help. But otherwise my standard static posts do not get seen. They do not get likes. So I would say Reels definitely gets more engagement than my regular static posts do. So I'm definitely going to continue from that perspective. And I feel like I mentioned this in last week's episode, but thanks to the algorithm, it is so hard to even be seen by people who are following you and want your content, let alone to grow at all. So even if Reels doesn't make a huge impact, I think it's still helpful and more so than static posts, at least in this current state of Instagram. I get more eyes on my content, both on my stories and other posts when I share reels. So I'm going to keep doing that. (laughs) I can't speak for every content creator, but this has just been my experience. It's just, it's tough because my expertise is not in video and it's definitely harder for me to create those reels. But I do know that when I post them, I tend to get more views on my stories. I tend to see uh, more engagement on my other posts. Um, just because it's it adds to visibility of my content. So reels are just more visible and discoverable. And that's just kind of how the cookie is crumbling right now. Okay, here's the last listener question this week. Hi, Merit. I love your podcast. I have a question about outfits for international flying. I turned 30 in September and my parents are taking me to Paris to celebrate. They are older and have always dressed up to fly. I mean, they straight up look like they're headed to a polo match. While I love that about them, it doesn't feel practical for me personally, especially on such a long haul flight, even with the lie flat seats in business class. I'm tall like you and my go-to flying outfits usually consist of some sort of legging, a comfy yet pretty jacket and golden goose sneakers. I want to up my game for this flight since it's such a special celebration and experience and want to feel cute when the champagne is flowing and when we check in at the hotel upon arrival. I know you mentioned you like to look cute on flights while still being comfortable. So I was just curious to see if you had recommendations on how I can add some pizzazz to my outfit while making it 
practical and comfortable to fly in. Thank you so much for writing in. That sounds like such a fun trip and happy early birthday. Long haul flights are tricky and my suggestion might change depending on how hot or cold it's going to be where you're going. But for Paris in September, I think you could go one of two ways. I love to wear dresses on long haul flights. I just generally find them more comfortable than leggings or pants. They're less restrictive and I can walk off the plane and look a little more put together than I would in leggings, for example. So a cute, comfortable midi dress would be a great option. You could also do a simple striped tee and chic black pants, ideally something with a stretchy waistband, not fitted and in a comfortable fabric, but not leggings. I'd bring a cozy cardigan on the flight for warmth. And if you want to take your look up a notch for when you land, put a more polished jacket option in your carry on for arrival, maybe like a tailored blazer or a tweed jacket. That way you're more comfortable on the plane and a cardigan, but you have a more elevated topper for once you get there. And as far as shoes go, I'd probably opt for ballet flats or a stylish pair of mules. And just to repeat all of that, I'd go for something like a comfortable midi dress or a combo of a cute tee and pants look, ideally with a stretchy waistband, like I said, not leggings, but also not stiff pants, and then bring two jacket options, one that's really cozy that you can really get comfortable with on the plane and another that you pack in your carry-on that you can wear off the plane that's a little more polished, so maybe like a tailored blazer or a tweed jacket. That way you have options. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also rate on Spotify now if you listen there. You can follow along on Instagram at Beck and Call Podcast. And I hope you guys love this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you guys next week. Bye.